Welcome to Smart Creation, the podcast, an invitation to explore the potential of sustainable fashion. Every other Wednesday, Adrian, your host, talks to key players in the fashion industry to discover new products and understand the challenges behind offering more responsible fashion and learn the solution available today. This podcast is brought to you by Première Vision, the leading event organizer for fashion professionals. To find out more, go to www.premiervision.com. Discover and enjoy. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening Smart Creation, the podcast. Today, I am uh, very pleased to uh, welcome Damien Pomeray. He's a regional manager of Western Europe for the Woolmark company. Hello, Damien. Hello. Uh, my very first question is, could you please introduce yourself and come back on your pathway uh, in a couple of uh, sentences, in a couple of words? Thank you very much, Adrian, and, and thank you all for, for listening to this podcast. Um, so I'm Damien, and my role is to run the, the activities and uh, the offices of uh, the Walmart company uh, in uh, Western Europe. So basically, it's really overseeing all the different activities of the organization, but I guess we'll mention that. Uh, a bit later on in this podcast. Um, you know, this podcast is about sustainability uh, and I would love to have your definition of what is uh, sustainable fashion according to you. Yeah, that's, that's a good question because uh, I think sustainability is a word that we can hear uh, everywhere now uh, at, at Première Vision, but, uh, but everywhere else. Uh, I think it's, it's, a, it's a, there's several definitions, but I will give you mine. Uh, I think it refers to uh, uh, basically all, a new way to, to make garments. Uh, it's it's uh, really impacting all the different processes uh, and also all the different actors on the supply chain. So, of course, the fibers, producers, the designers, the manufacturers, uh, the distribution, Uh, and even the communication and the marketing. So, of course, the, the, this change of uh, uh, all the new uh, practices and processes is to reduce uh, the environmental impact. So we're looking at uh, air pollution, water pollution, everything that can impact the, uh, the climate change. Um, but there is also uh, an important part that we sometimes forget is the social justice, uh, what we call CSR. Uh, so we're also looking closely at this uh, and Uh, what's and for us uh, working with uh, with animals, uh, the animal welfare is a really uh, important thing also. So I think a sustainable fashion really is a wide subject uh, that is not clearly defined. There is not like one definition, but uh, this is this is mine. Fantastic! Thank you very much. Um, just uh, c coming back on your pathway, uh, before joining the Woolmark company, you spent uh, seven years at uh, Aikiki S, a French company. Um, what did you do there and, and why did you decide to, to, to move to the Woolmark company? Yeah, that, so that, that's an interesting thing. Uh, and I'm, when, I, when I look back at the last 15 years, um, it's, um, I would say, I was working and I had the opportunity to work inside a fashion group uh, with different fashion brands. Uh, and and that's, that gave me the opportunity to understand uh, it from, from inside and, and, uh, and to understand how it works. Uh, and, and I had a lot of fun over there, uh, big challenges also. Uh, my role was to uh, develop new markets, to open new stores. Uh, and what is interesting when I look back is that my... Um, You know, my, 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 
aim was to develop sales, to develop turnover. Uh, so my KPI was growth, uh, profitability, uh, but economic profitability, what we call the BIDA. Um, and and um, when I look back, I'm happy now to be part of uh, Embly uh, on, uh, on this change, uh, massive change that the Ontario industry needs to operate. Um, and and what is the, the good news is that there's no, you know, it's still compatible with uh, with with uh, economic profitability. Uh, it's true that it's a huge uh, a huge switch because we need to uh, uh, look at every single thing that we were used to do season after season the same way. Uh, and now that we, uh, but but uh, yeah, we need to, to, it takes time, it's a bit risky, uh, it's more work basically to 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 change all those uh, processes. But at the end, it's uh, I'm, I'm convinced that it's worth it. And, and with the Woolmark company, we're here to uh, support uh, the industry and all the different actors, uh, first convincing them that it's uh, the right way to go and it's the only way to go, uh, but also after uh, saying that they are capable of doing this. And that will uh, just even make their company stronger, their brand stronger, uh, and with a brighter future. Great. Um, let's talk about the Woolmark company. Uh, can you tell me what is uh, the Woolmark company? What is the genesis? Uh, what does it stand for? What is the vision of this uh, ONG? Because this is an ONG. Yes, we, we are a non-profit uh, company, uh, organization, uh, and, and we, we conduct a wide... Um, type of, of um, activities. We do research. Uh, we help uh, brands with product development. Uh, we do marketing. So we're here to service uh, the industry all the way from uh, the farm to, to the brands and to the retail. Uh, so the, why it's, I think we are independent and we can be bold on uh, our everyday Activities is the fact that we we are funded by 60,000 wool growers, so it's 60,000 farms uh, that are funding us, and, and uh, so we we don't have direct commercial interest. Uh, we don't take any royalties, uh, so we have the possibility to go deep into the change and uh, don't just like um, you know we just have. Be dependent on, on commercial realities uh, or short term. We are here to, to really help people to do the right change, and we are have the possibility to be uh, fully independent uh, mm. thanks to our way of uh, the way we financed. Okay, and and what what is your what is your role? What what do you do exactly uh, uh, for all these farmers? So so. Um, a long time ago, when marketing didn't even exist, uh, the the farmers because. 300 years ago, um, you know, they were already wool uh, coming from Australia. And the, the, the farmers over there uh, knew that the wool was going to markets uh, that they don't know about. So they had the, uh, the really smart idea to say, OK, we're going to work with some people over there on the markets to, um, to, to help us going the right direction and selling and be promoting our fabric and, and servicing all the different actors in between. So that's what they did. And I think uh, now it's the organization is still there 
many years uh, after and and what and we still we're still supporting them in both ways because we will uh, of course uh, s- explain to the brands that are working mostly with polyester that they should have a better look at uh, natural fibers that they can source uh, you know um, less uh, impactful fibers and or innovate with the wool they're actually using but on the other side we're also getting back to the farmers saying like um, you know it's super important to start uh, regenerative action for example on your farm or you should better uh, you know work on that way to reduce the impact on your land so I think it's really uh, it's really both ways fantastic um Uh, what I understand is, is, is it was born in Australia, but uh, today uh, the Woolmark company is defending actually all the all the farmers, no, uh, the, the wool uh, at large. Yeah, so we are the global authority um, for wool, but in textile, the particularity is that eighty-five uh, percent of the the wool, the merino wool, is coming from Australia. Um, so, so uh, it's true that. And I think we'll mention that uh, many times during this podcast, but what is important if we want to do a real change is to work on where the big volumes are. And I think that's why also we're focusing on Australia because uh, we have the possibility to work uh, with our stakeholders, so the people financing us, to improve all the production sites and all the supply chain. And on the the other side, uh, we have the... Um, yeah, we, we have we have also the the power to to infiltrate and change what they're doing. So I think it's uh, it's it's why we're focusing on, on on merino wool from Australia. After we uh, you know we believe wool as uh, wherever it comes from is is uh, is good and and should be uh, better used. Fantastic. Um, by the way, why eighty five percent of merinos? In the world, come from Australia. Why? What, what is so attractive about Australian rule? So, so this I, I really I had no idea before I joined Woolmark. Honestly, um, so so I can't believe most of the people listening to this podcast are not really familiar with this too. But it's it's interesting the fact that in Europe or in New Zealand, for example, um, we've been having sheep for a long time, and what the the focus we had was meat or milk. Uh, we have fantastic cheese uh, in France. Uh, we have great meat. But the, the focus on the wool growers, so the farmers, is not to have the best wool for 300 years. And it's the opposite in, in Australia, where like the focus has been to have uh, better, uh, you know, the, the best wool uh, and the thin, thinnest wool, the, the, the best quality on wool. And that's, that's their... Um, I think that's you know that that's where they're aiming for a long time. So at the end, 300 years later, you have a completely different product, uh, and and the merino wool from Australia is uh, is just simply the the best quality on the planet. So so I think that's that's um, that's the reason, the main reason why uh, most of it is coming from Australia. The other one is just a, a, a simply. A, The reality of this country, uh, you know, it's the size of the USA, uh, but instead of having a, 
more, almost 300 million people living in the US, you have 24 million people living in Australia. And, and, right. and, and what the reality uh, for, if you have been lucky enough to, to, to see uh, a bit more about this country is that it, apart from some coast and cities on coast, in the middle of Australia, there is, there is nothing. It's the desert. There's many different type of climates. Uh, there is rivers, there is rocks, there is mountains. Uh, and 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 the sheep is uh, the animal is is the perfect animal to be uh, adapted to, to this area um, in all different climates and and also it's it's uh, it's an agriculture where in Australia in, in France if you have the opportunity to have a look at what is the reality in Europe uh, all the lands have been uh, you know changed cut the forest uh, change the rivers put up the rocks to uh, suit uh, what is the, the agriculture we're doing, and which is a mono agriculture, uh, and we completely change the landscape. Um, in Australia, first of all, the landscapes are huge, and at the same time, uh, they don't have the possibility to, 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 to change that, that landscape, and it's not something they're, they're also willing to do. So it's, it makes this, uh, where, they, where, they, where they, they have sheep, Usually they, they cannot do much much other agriculture, so it's 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 just sh- shooting perfectly the 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 um, you know the way they work. Also, what is important that is like uh, in France, for example, a, a farm could be eighty uh, hectares, maybe one f- one hundred fifty, two hundred hectares. In Australia, the average is three thousand hectares, and and um, a few weeks ago, I was in a, in a farm that was. Uh, 40,000 hectares. And then one next to it was 400,000 hectares. So it's a completely different um, way of doing agriculture. It's an extensive agriculture. Um, in France, the, the sheep, uh, or in Europe, the sheep are going in a shed during the winter uh, because it's too cold. Uh, that impacts the quality of wool, but it impacts also the animal welfare. Uh, in Australia, it's... it's uh, it's it's wild, so it's a completely different uh, type of agriculture once again, and and the impact is completely different. Mm, super interesting. Um, so basically, you are an ONG, uh, but you're also a lobby. Um, what are your battles and your achievements? Um, could you please tell us about a few initiatives you are leading at the moment? Yeah, that, that, thanks for asking me this question. Uh, a few a few months ago, I, had, I was uh, doing a conference and I explained that we we have some lobbying corporate action and 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 some people came back to me after the the conference and said like yeah we we love wool but we don't really like a lobbyist and I, I just respond to them that you know of course we know and we have a negative view on lobbyist action because what we when we heard about them is like it's on uh, crude oil or tobacco or, or alcohol, uh, energy, whatever. But what if, what if you defend the good side? And, and you know what? It's, it's, it's real lucky that the good side is also being defended a little bit <laughs> because, because if not all the laws and all the, the new uh, change in our legal environment will just be uh, on the beneficials of, of uh, those huge corporate uh, operations. So, so it's and we are fighting against uh, the the you know the fossil fuel industry every day. So, so I think it's it's uh, just 
you, because you use the term lobbyist, I think it's it's. Uh, I want to just um, mention that there's mostly bad lobbying, uh, but there's a lot of good ones that are also smaller but fighting the the, <laughs> the bad ones. And uh, and that's my vision once again. But I really believe we're on the good one, the good side. Uh, we let the people. Uh, believe or judge what they want, but but that's my my view, and that's what also giving me the energy to uh, to you know to 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 work every day. Uh, one of the the big the big change we that is a good one we believe is a good one is the the new uh, Ecolabel project in the EU. It's called PEF, huh? the the Product Environmental Footprint Methodology. So it means like uh, in uh, a few months now uh, we will have uh, on all our textile product uh, indication on the impact of your product um, to the environment. So that's a fantastic thing. You know, we already have them on cars, on uh, all the electronics we're buying. Uh, there is no way uh, for the industry, uh, the fashion industry, textile industry that is producing uh, 35% of the microplastic in the ocean that we don't have that because what we realized is that the consumer uh 85% of the consumers, they have no idea what their garments are made of. 85% are just cannot make the right choice because they just don't know. Uh, and it's true that when you look inside the garment, uh, your composition, everything is done for uh, you to be confused. And, and, and also, there's so many uh, fossil fabric, fossil fuel fabric names. Uh, and that it's confusing, but you know, even like people, they don't know polyester is simply plastic. Of course, you're listening to this podcast, so I guess you know. Uh, but the reality is, like, if you're not working into textile, if you're not interested, and you still have to buy garments, uh, you don't know. So how come uh, you you can make the right choices? We need to educate them, and I think that's a fantastic project for that. Saying this. Um, there is, there, as we mentioned, there is big lobbying, lobbying action uh, around that because there is a, a huge uh, impact on the business that will come. And um, let, let's say that basically the, 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 the guys in front of us have been um, really good to um, work on a project uh, since 2013, uh, explaining that, uh, you know, fossil fuel fibers uh could have uh, a smaller impact than natural ones. So it is it is amazing, but it is the reality right now, and it's what we're fighting every day. Uh, we don't say that natural fiber doesn't have an impact. It's 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 not true. We of course do have an impact. It's just not the same impact, uh, and it's and it's uh, all the the way uh, because to, to measure if your product tomorrow will be red orange, yellow, or green, more or less, even if it's a, um, letters or colors, whatever, uh, you need to have data behind it and you need to interpret the data right. And, and that's all the battle we have on, on, this, uh, on this new project. Uh, and we are working closely uh, with our another organization called IWTO. Uh, it's the organization that is a voting member. Uh, and we are uh, with all the, the teams in France and in Australia, in, in the UK, in Brussels, fighting the best we can just to pass on the message to uh, the EU parliaments that if we come with, uh, if tomorrow you go into a fast fashion store and that you have a um, polyester t-shirt uh, at uh, seven euros that will uh, have a, a green 
footprint label on it. Uh, we, we sorry, but I would just say like a, a worm. We lose it. <laughs> yeah. We, I was about to say we're fucked, but yeah. <laughs> we we definitely lose. Sorry about my language, but so we need to we need to the change will be with the customer. Mm. The consumer just don't don't. Uh, we need to say them exactly what is yeah, the misleading them. Yeah, and misleading them would be the, the biggest mistake politically uh, and and in terms of uh, uh, eco responsibility. Of course, mm, it would be terrible. Um, well, let's talk about it. Uh, according to you, wool is one of the most sustainable existing material uh, compared to what? And could you explain us, please, uh, why it is so? Yeah. So, so uh, um, natural fibers are all different, but they also have different impacts on, on the, um, you know, chemical fibers and, and uh, fossil fuel fibers. But the, most of the, the impact we have uh, is on the, at the beginning of, really the beginning of the production. So it's really when we create the wool. Um, but the wool after that is, it's, you know, it's the original ecofiber. It's 100% natural. It's renewable uh, and it's biodegradable. Uh, so during uh, the entire life um, pro process and life cycle, the wool will not uh, release any Uh, microplastic, unless uh, unlike synthetics, uh, and what is also important is to understand how the, the wool is made of and why it is renewable and why it is, uh, you know, a really a natural cycle. Is the fact that the the wool is basically uh, atmospheric carbon. So what it means is like the the same way the, the trees are doing uh, with their leaves, uh, the same way we have our uh, hair. You know, the, the sheep is creating his wool by capturing uh, the, the, the carbon in the atmosphere. And then after it will stay into the, the, the wool fiber. And whatever you do with it at the end of, the, end of the product uh, life, you can burn it. You can, you can, you know, you can, you can let it biodegrade. It will release the exact same number of uh, carbon atom. In, in the atmosphere, so it's it's a cycle that is that is that is a uh, fully uh, you know renewable, and I think that's that's uh, the uh, something that needs to be understood. If you look at the the opposite fiber, and, and I'm talking about uh, chemical fibers, for example, or polyester fiber, you will take under the ground uh, some the carbon atoms that have been there for for hundreds of millions of years, you will create a product that will release microplastic each time you wash it. Apparently, it's also microplastic getting into your skin directly. That's the new, the latest uh, um, research we got also. And at the end, whatever you do, mostly if you burn it or if you put it on the ground, uh, it will release carbon atom that will go into the atmosphere, but that were not in the atmosphere initially. And that creates what climate change. So, so it's. I think it's. I took the time to explain this because I think it's my simple global view on it. It's just whatever you choose, choose a fiber that will, uh, of course, not release microplastic, and at the same time also that will, um, at the end of the product life, will not getting addition carbon uh, into the atmosphere because it's the major issue on on uh, on on what we're facing now. Yeah, 
We, we often point out the barbaric practice of uh, muesling and the fact that growing wool is very resource-intensive. Um, what are your responses to these allegations? So it's two different uh, days. Yeah, two different subjects. Um, once again, thanks for asking me this question because uh, transpar transparency education is, is, uh, is really key. Uh, and, and we are super happy to, um, to have the possibility to, you know, to, to, to explain what's happening. So the first one, um, starting with muzzling. So the muzzling is, is a practice that is done for uh, the animal welfare initially. Um, and it's, it's a practice that is, um, that we try to be not dependent on. And we've been spending like $74 million on, uh, on, on this improvement. Uh, but it's a practice that is still necessary today. Uh, we took the engagement with all the wool industry not to be dependent on it uh, in 2030. It's a huge challenge, but it's, it's necessary. Uh, and and uh, we also have uh, to find alternative to, to this. Um, because it's not matching just what the customer wants, and I think we all believe that it's not. It's not. If we can avoid it, uh, we absolutely uh, have the, to avoid it. Right now, for some farmers that doesn't see their sheep all year long because it's there into the wild, uh, this practice is still necessary just to keep the sheep alive. So that's that's the necessity. We do uh, um, this intervention that is once in the life of the sheep, uh, and it will keep the sheep. Uh, alive and, and healthy in his entire life, uh, but it, and, and and that's what this practice is about. Saying that we still have to move on, and that's uh, we're super happy for the entire uh, industry uh, that that took the ambitious, bold, uh, you know, uh, uh, initiative to 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 um, to not be dependent on it, and that's that's uh, that's happening. We. Uh, Australia is the biggest producer of what we call muesling-free wool, uh, and and will uh, and every year uh, the percentage is growing now. So uh, it's a mix of education to the wool growers, uh, development, uh, and, and uh, of you know the we, no different research we're doing, uh, and and I think we're going in the right direction. You know the the change is never. Uh, fast enough, uh, but we believe when it's uh, just it's just a reality. And I think uh, most of the people listening to this podcast are working or will work into the textile industry. Uh, all sustainability uh, change, uh, we need to be responsible. Uh, we cannot, we will not kill all the sheep that has been that that have been mused uh, because because uh, we just want. Uh, To, to change the, the way we work. We need to be, you know, uh, strong and, and to operate this change as fast as we can, but uh, also uh, being responsible of the life of those animals and, and to uh, also help the farmers to go that way. Uh, I think a qualitative change is a change that has been uh, uh, in responsibility uh, and that uh, we will be for a better tomorrow, but like uh, for a farm to become organic, It's not happening like uh, overnight, you know. You need to, you need time, uh, and it's uh, and it's a huge engagement, uh, and that's what is being operated now. The second part of your question is um, on the 
in fact, that will has an impact. And uh, as I said, we we definitely know we're learning more about this impact actually because uh, uh, it's not easy uh, when you have uh, um, six thousand uh, sheep in in a farm that is uh, four times the the size of Paris, the surface of Paris, to measure uh, what is the real impact. Uh, so so we are working on that. Uh, and also uh, on all the supply chain, there's many, many things that we need to develop um, to reduce the impact. Uh, the first thing, uh, obviously, is traceability, because without traceability, we cannot measure. Um, so we, we're working on that, uh, is simplifying the supply chain. That is a major uh, thing that we need to, to work on. And that's happening happening now, um, but I think the, all the the brands are working with are now aware of this issue. And after it's of course uh, better use uh, water usage or water treatment. Uh, there's there's many many. That's the good news about it. There's many many axes we can work on uh, to do better. Thank you very much for your for your answer. Um, I've seen your you are partnering with uh, Nissan Formula Electric. Um, can you tell us about this, uh, this collaboration? And, and I see that this project will be featured at uh, Première Vision Paris uh, from February the 7th to the 9th. Um, so everybody will be able to see this collaboration. Can you, can you tell us about uh, the, 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 the partnership? Yeah, so, so now that's, that's a good news. It's one of the projects we're launching actually uh, this month. I was uh, in the Grand Prix in Mexico uh, yesterday. Thank uh, you. Yeah, no, it was, it was a, good, a good first launch, the first Grand Prix of the season. Um, Formula E, uh, it's, so it's Formula One electric. Uh, it's, the, it's also the first uh, international competition that uh, is been ISO certified and that is uh, neutral carbon. Uh, so for us, it's, it's also when we have many international competition in football, rugby, tennis, um, for all uh, the Olympic Games uh, that are, uh, have a huge impact on the environment, uh, we thought partnering with the one that is taking the challenge to uh, in motorsports, that is really the, not the easiest one, to be neutral carbon and to uh, have the ambition of reducing uh, and to have like a, an, even a positive impact uh, in terms of innovation and, and carbon usage and water and all that uh, is, is something that we were super excited about. Uh, we've been working a lot for a year and a half and it's finally happening. So uh, Nissan um, had the, the vision of reducing the impact on everything they do. Uh, so obviously uh, on on, on even on the car usage, on the number of tires they use during the race, on what is the tires are made, on everything, and we, yeah, we will have the opportunity to present that in 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 première vision, but also on uh, the performance and on innovating on the the garment the team the team is wearing. So what we call the team kit is what the team is wearing. Um, they have a huge challenge that they have a competition happening in different parts of the world uh, with. Uh, having completely different climates, uh, going from uh, so it was Mexico, uh, but it could be uh, it's the next uh, week. It will be it could be in Berlin, it could be in London, it could be uh, in uh, in the Middle East, uh, in Saudi. Uh, so it's um, 
the only fiber that can seriously respond to all this is, uh, we believe, wool. So we work together uh, with Nissan on developing those uh, innovative fiber uh, and, and uh, innovative garments. Uh, first, with uh, the idea of uh, helping the team to be more performant. And the second axis, obviously, is to reduce the impact uh, on, on the... Yeah, the impact using those those product, creating those products and using them. The the next step, and that's not a small one, is also to change the merchandising. You have to think that every competition are not using creating product. For the Olympic, we had a, like a big backlash uh, a few weeks ago, uh, but it's everywhere. So uh, in football, like what are wearing the the players are just like pure polyester, and they're selling those t-shirts millions of millions of items. Uh, often t-shirts that will not be wearing like many times. It's like, a, so it's a one shot usage product. Um, and I believe that's, you know, that's really part of the past. Uh, it's, we need to improve, uh, the, the quality of the, for the athletes first, but also for the people and uh, the merchandising for people using them. I think it's, uh, it's really key to, uh, to, to understand that it's also in the way you, you create your product. I mentioned design, but eco-design, what it means, for example, for Nissan, uh, it means that having like um, a team kit that is completely changing season after season, uh, that people will buy once, but the next season, it won't be uh, the same color or it won't be something that you will be keen to wear because it's it's like the previous season is not possible anymore. So we worked on a, pro a team kit that is better quality, that is maybe uh, a bit sober in terms of design, so you can use it uh, at work, you can use it, you know, and you can wear it without, uh, you know, and, and that will still be uh, nice and, and accurate next season. So it's a global different way of thinking. Uh, and that's, I think that's, uh, we're really proud of starting that. Uh, we have uh, fantastic cars that are, um, I think, the, the most uh, innovative cars that are, they're not only the most technology is though they, they use the, the power and or they use energy or to, you know, um, they start the race and the Grand Prix, they don't have enough energy to finish the race. So everything is, is on the technologies or use better energy uh, or we recuperate the energy when, when you break, when, when you don't need it. Uh, so it's really a technology that is here on a, on a special race and on a competition, but all the ideas behind it is to apply all those innovations to our everyday life for us to commute with a smaller impact. Uh, and, and, uh, and we believe also uh, uh, to have also a smaller impact on the, the clothes we're wearing. But, but you mentioned the, um, the football uh, T-shirts. Uh, I mean, the football world—it's all about money and uh, and um, using a better material. It means that that's gonna cost more money and the margin is gonna be less. So, um, how do You're you right. how do you how do you make a change? Uh, so we haven't done that yet, but I think we can poke uh, all the the for the major. Uh, football teams uh, we are keen to discuss we're already having some discussion with some of them uh, but we can poke them all and and uh, and if you can if you listen to us uh, you just we're super happy to have those discussions with you because the the solution exists now and and uh, having a, uh, it's going to be better for the performance of the the football team uh, it's also uh, today the margin they do on those of course uh, polyester um, t-shirts are huge 
but it doesn't mean that if you have like a 30% of your uh, uh, increase on your fabric, uh, that you first will not be able to sell a better T-shirt a bit more expensive. And also you can explain to, uh, you know, uh, if the, the fans are wearing it more, uh, I think it's good for everyone because the visibility will be increased. Um, so it's, I think in all aspects, I think in terms of margin, uh, it could be better. It could be the same, I mean, but after in terms of visibility, in terms of message, uh, and in terms of performance for the player, it would be way better. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's something we have to change. Why all the scars uh, you can see in the stadiums are all 100% polyesters? It's, it's, it's not possible anymore. I think it's just, it's, just, it's just for, especially because most of the football teams, we're changing a bit for the subject, but it's a good example. And I think for, for asking this question, just they're trying to do better. They're trying to also elevate a bit uh, what they do. We can see that in different, even with the Parisian teams, uh, trying to change their image. Um, I think that I'm convinced that would be a right move in uh, for, for, for those football teams uh, and they are they are followed by all the the you know gen z generation they have a responsibility yeah. uh, the players they have a responsibility so we we i think it will be a fantastic message uh, and the first one that will do that will happy to to support that team and will happy to uh, to make it possible hmm. um What is the North Star metric of um, the Woolmark company um, and how do you measure your improvements So, so it's it's um, there's many ways we can you know measure. It. Uh, there's one really factual one. Every I think the last one we did is in 2021. The one before was in uh, 2017. We have a, a study that has been done uh, on eight thousand person, uh, and it depends on countries focusing on on Europe and France and UK and Italy, but not only, uh, also in. in In China, in the US, in Japan, and and we uh, we ask them simple question about uh, if they are aware about uh, you know um, merino wool, what they do they what they know about it? If uh, they do they know that it's a natural fiber? Do they know that they have it's it's not it's I don't know breathable um, and all those questions and, and we follow the change uh, because we believe our main. Uh, activity uh, and, and aim is to educate people and we, we look at after campaign and collaboration after collaboration if that changed and it's it's changing it's changing uh, maybe not only thanks to us uh, let's be super involved on that people are just more interested now into what they're wearing into the impact Uh, but we've been working on this for, for a long time and try to defend we're a small organization but we're trying to defend uh, You know, a point of view, uh, and we as loud and uh, as loud as possible. Great. Uh, let's talk about your your the fashion industry and your and your colleagues. Um, uh, the Woolmark Company initiative looks very unique. Is there any similar NGO uh, for other material? And uh, if yes, could you name a few? Um, I would say not really, actually. The fact that, uh, you know, the Walmart company uh, has been uh, creating a long time ago, uh, it was called the Wool Secretariat before, but it's, um, it was in 1936 already. And, and uh, when we talk about Walmart, we, um, the first event we, we mentioned is when in 1954, 
you know, the Woolmark price was already there and, and two designers uh, won the, that year in 2054 and it, they were uh, 21 years old and 19 years old and the uh, 19 years old was Yves Saint Laurent and the 21 years old was Carla Garfeld. Both of them uh, have... Yeah, become designers with great careers, as we know. Both of them were the first time uh, in front of the press. And for Carl, he wasn't even a, a designer, he was an illustrator. Uh, so, so I think uh, what makes Woolmark unique is the fact, that, of course, that we are not profit, that we have, uh, even if the strategy changed uh, because it was not the same reality in the 50s and the 60s than now, um, it's, it's still a company that is really innovative. Uh, and and uh, and and yeah, trying to 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 adapt and to support and service the, the industry with the the fights that we have uh, right now. And this one is now, of course, fully on sustainability. It was on uh, helping uh, you know people to use the the washing the new washing machine that were coming into the 60s. So you know it's different. <laughs> different different times uh, the, but I can mention a few of, of course we have the alliance for the European uh, flags and linen and amps uh, so that's uh, that's the that's also uh, people working uh, in Europe with uh, lots of the same message we have on uh, you know um, changing the way you consume and using those natural fibers um, I know that the, we have the laser working group also uh, that is uh, also uh, building a, a sustainable future for uh, sustainable, responsible laser. So, so I don't know them. Uh, would I be happy to, to exchange with them? But, uh, but I know that they, they exist. So that's the type of organization that exists. But uh, I, I, I don't know them well, but I can, I can say that they are not unique. Woolmark is unique, as you said. Hmm. How can the fashion industry uh, accelerate its sustainable revolution, according to you? Um, I would say, like, there's, there's different things. But if you can, the first thing is education. And education doesn't mean only the customers. And the consumer need to, to, of course, change their habit, but they cannot do that alone. So we need to educate them with a more education on the product, changing the legal environment, Um, and, and also having, uh, you know, the possibility to do it. Uh, right now, um, if you go into a store, like 90% of the offer is, is polyester. So what the customer will do, they will just not have to focus on 10% of the, what they can buy. So the brands have to change that and they need to, of course, uh, accelerate that. So, so I think it's, uh, um, It's the brands uh, with the customer, with the supplier that can that can change that. For for doing this, for example, we have um, we create with LVMH the LVMH masterclass, and it's it's going in the studios uh, to create masterclass for the designers, for all the people working those brands. Because most of the time, of course, they know wool. Of course, they're doing beautiful products, uh, especially at this beautiful French uh, leading group. But they don't have all the information about what, what is really the impact of the fiber they're using, or maybe or they can use, uh, you know, wool in a different way. So uh, it's it's uh, helping them to say, okay, you know, a t-shirt you can make it in wool. You don't have to make it in polyester or in cotton, or you know, you want to do, um, um, you know, a rain jacket. 
you think the only way to do a rain jacket is polyester, but it's not the case. There's beautiful innovation that can make you doing a rain jacket in in, uh, in merino wool without any chemical treatment. Uh, and and if it's not you doing it at LVMH, I don't think who should be doing it first. You know, so it's uh, it's also helping them to have access to this information. That's really. Uh, where knowledge uh, from the customer, from the designers, from the people working in the buying office, from the spinners, everyone needs to uh, have access to this information. And that's the challenge uh, of Fullmap, honestly, uh, to um, to support all the different actors to, mm-hmm. to accelerate the change. Are you optimistic about the future? And uh, if yes, what, uh, what makes you feel optimistic? Well, about many, many, many things. First of all, I would say like every day, and it, it's accelerating also. But we have we have calls from all different actors, all brands, uh, showing the interest or the question mark they have, uh, and 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 that's and also the customer. Obviously, we can see that now the discussion are everywhere. If you go to Premier Vision, uh, sustainability is is, uh, is the number one subject. It wasn't the case a few years ago, and it's accelerating. So, so I think that's. I believe in the human race and I believe about the adaptability uh, we did. We want, we went into a wrong direction, uh, but we are, if we managed to, to go and develop such a big industry, we are, I'm sure we are able to, to, to adapt it and to change it, especially because now we have the, the technology to do that. So, so as I was mentioning a minute ago, you don't have to do, you don't, you, there's alternative to, to fossil fuel fibers, Uh, and that's and that's the first thing. And the second thing is that uh, we need also to adapt, uh, you know, the way we consume. And I, I can I believe now customers uh, are ready to uh, to change. Uh, also, the brands are sometimes talking now about you know uh, selling better, and uh, it means a bit less, uh, which is really new, uh, and that's something that we will have to go through. And that's give me hope. Also on the fact that uh, we can sell with the same turnover, less product that will be better, that people will use more, and that will have a less, uh, you know, impact on the environment. So, so I mentioned innovation, like um, you know, the, the rain jacket possibility. There's many others on shoes, on um, on even doing using wool uh, uh, inside the garment. Uh, it's a really interesting. Uh, all, to, all interlinings today are fully in polyester. So if you buy, uh, I won't, I don't have to, let's say you buy a jacket uh, into, uh, even you pay $300,000 for it into a luxury store, what will be inside will be polyester interlining. So it means that you won't be able to, uh, it's not eco-design. It will be super difficult to uh, recycle and it will have an, an impact, a strong impact on the, on the environment. But that's, that's the good news. There is now, um, for example, wool interlining developed. So there is a solution for this. Just we need just to, 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 to go that way. And that's, that's why I'm optimistic. It's, now it's available. And, what's, and there will be much more innovation coming up because we can see all the industry focusing on that innovation. What are your favorite initiatives and, and crush at the moment uh, you were talking about uh, this, uh, this um, uh, rain jacket, etc., uh, etc.? Et but do you have any brand in, in, in mind? 
or projects? Yeah, the, 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 a simple one that I love is, uh, is the work we did with uh, Villebrequin, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the swimwear um, brand. It's, yeah. uh, so we, we, you know, swimwear uh, is fully like 100% polyester uh, fabric plastic fabric uh, worldwide and and Villebrequin they came to us saying okay can we, can we change that uh, and, and there were no obvious reasons they were they were no available product to do that but we did it and honestly the product is fantastic it's it's we developed um, all range of product and and the, the sales rule is good the product are beautiful uh, it dries faster uh, it's uv protector it doesn't release microplastic which when you believe when you think about it you you you're going into a beautiful uh, beach wherever you go in corsica and you wear a full 100% plastic uh, you know uh, board shot and then you uh, and you are amazed by the nature and the fish and all the nature around you and you are just like killing it so so i think this evolution and it's simple product and i really encourage you to have a look at those products because it's not and it's not and i like this this uh, this initiative also because the idea uh of of Broquin is not to create a one-shot small capsule collection it's to create a permanent line that will grow uh and to uh, with the aim of having like at least 50% of the product that are uh, not releasing any microplastic and to, to be able to grow that way. And it's, and there is, it's a simple change, but with a huge uh, impact. And, and that is even more comfortable, you know, it's, it's a, it's perfect in any way. Um, so, so you don't need to have three board shorts, just get one. Uh, it might be 30% more expensive than the, the other one, but just have one and, and, uh, and a good one. According to you, what are the wrong the wrong good ideas. Thank you, thank you, Adrian, for this question because there is, there is a, it's it's interesting. We can see there's a lot of initiatives, a lot of good ones like we just mentioned, but there's also uh, there's, there's also the consumer and also the industry need to be careful. Uh, there's there's good ideas that are looking good, but they are definitely not good. And I can I can mention one. The the first one we have. Uh, that I will mention is recycled polyester. Of course, recycled polyester is better than 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 uh, than just getting new polyester on board. But but the reality of poly the, of the recycled polyester is the fact whatever it is the percentage uh, in it, uh, and that's going to be new regulation around it. Uh, that the fact that it will still uh, release loads of microfibers uh, and, uh, in, into the ocean and even more than the original one. And, and, and that's using, you know, saying on the product that, uh, okay, you have maybe 20% of recycled polyester, whatever the percentage, saying that's fine, keep consuming like that. You know, don't change anything. Just just buy the same product and just going to have a little bit of recycled polyester in it. That is not, that is greenwashing because it's, it's not a solution. And, and 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 that's I think it's the same thing with uh, you know um, if you just say that okay we have organic cotton and just just keep keep on going keep buying like uh, I don't know 15 t-shirts a year 10 euros uh, it's organic cotton so it's fine I think I think that's the wrong one of the wrong good ideas uh, we need to go uh, in deeper than this. So the, the second one I would say as a wrong ideas would be um, believing in, in a, sometimes in a simple uh, fake model of marketing. 
sometimes people will say, okay, um, there's, there's many of them. We can hear a lot of, so uh, we talked about simplifying, simplifying the, the supply chain, which is a necessity. But sometimes, uh, just for marketing reason, we'll do the like uh, the 100% made in France stuff. Uh, that sometimes make completely makes sense if the, for example, the linen is coming from France, so it doesn't. It makes completely sense to, but but sometimes uh, it could lead also to purely brainwashing because uh, a brand will do, let's say, one percent of what uh, of what she produce or it produce, sorry, uh, using. Uh, a product that is not available in France, but maybe a little bit available, and they will say, okay, we have a 100% made in France product. And after they will uh, just do a huge campaign on that and just saying that is what they do, which is not the case. So uh, change uh, needs to be done in in deeper. And I think that's, um, I need to represent the volume and it needs to be done on on the, the totality uh, of the offer or, at least to have the aim of making it like a, a bigger. So I think that's that's a, a really something important because you can it's easily to do trustability on one, um, you know, one small uh, coll- capsule collection and say, okay, this is coming from a beautiful farm, uh, and it's coming, you know, which yeah, we trace it all and it's it's nice, and you put that in front of uh, uh, all your communication, and you do that just on on two or three products. The, the, this change needs to be applied to all of them. So I think let's be careful. And as as professional, all of us, let's take this. It could be good initiative, but keep in mind that like just uh, greenwashing is when you communicate about something that is such a good idea, but not the reality of the of the business. People believe that all your offer is like this, which is just not true. All right. Uh, thank you very much. Um, let's move to the quick rapid fire uh, question part. Um, yeah. What do you want to close the door in our industry, even if uh, it sounds very clear after your? <laughs> yeah, your, I just want to say this one. one. I would say I would say greenwashing. Yeah, I think it's the most counterproductive thing that will uh, uh, just so just just forget this. Just just do. Let's be true, and that that that's the most productive way to do it of course uh, where do you look at to get inspired in whatever industry or what do you look at to to, to stay ahead of the game um, well I think you know my, I keep my eyes uh, wide open and, and my ears wide open um, and, and I'm listening to, to podcasts and, and I'm listening and I'm looking at brands new brands and I'm uh, so, so I think there's, there's many uh, there's a many, many great uh, initiatives uh, from some really tiny brands or new or students or big brands. Or, so, so I think we are big and rich uh, industry, uh, super creative in all ways, not only in design. So um, to, before, like we worked a lot in Pilar, not talking together through the supply chain, but also brands or competitors to each other let's 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 do the opposite let's let's you know be one industry and and uh, and to to be able to to look at the best practices and and to uh, and to work all together and to if we find a good opportunity or a good 
you know initiative Let, let's get inspired from that and and uh, and and yeah and and pass on so so it becomes a reality for industry hmm. what is the last piece of clothes you bought uh i know i don't i don't match buy much clothes but i know what i'm looking for so maybe i can add a, i'm lucky enough to have a, 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 a gift for christmas and it's it's a it's i still have to buy it but it's it's a, a woolen clothes coat uh you know classic uh for the winter that i can i would love to wear so i'm looking like like a classic uh, uh navy um yeah woolen coat uh to wear over a jacket uh so if you have any idea where i can find that uh please please uh Write to me, connect to me on LinkedIn. I'll be super, super keen mm -hmm. to find to find this. Uh, okay. And that's a piece that's a piece that I'm keen to keep into my closet for for a long time. Of course. And um, to f to finish with uh, this podcast, with the personality you would like to listen to in this podcast. Whoa, that's not an easy one. There's many people uh, I would love to hear. Um, He's not aware of that I'm going <laughs> to name him, but uh, there is a, uh, somebody uh, who inspires me. Uh, his name is Pascal Dagras, and, and he works uh, for um, the Ministry uh, of uh, Trans Ecological Transition. Uh, and, and he's working on all, all the subject of what will be the reality of, of fashion uh, in France uh, tomorrow. And he's... Uh, Uh, and I like his, his approach. He's aware about all the uh, different, uh, you know, uh, challenge we have. He's working on it with uh, with his teams, and uh, and I think it would be fantastic. I would be really keen to 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 hear him. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Do, do you know him well? Oh, we we've been we're we're in contact. Um, okay. I'm, I'm keen to invite him if you want. Yeah, it would be great. Sounds a good. Uh, sounds a good, very good idea. Thank you so much for your time and for your passion about this subject. Uh, I'm looking uh, forward to, to meet you in, uh, in next uh, Première Vision Paris, uh, the 7th, 8th or 9th of February, to look at uh, all the products you... I, I guess there will be some products you will be uh, showing there? Yeah, so we'll, we'll show... It's, it's Yeah, let's say okay. It's I'll, I'll say that on that on that podcast. First of all, thank you very much, Adrian, for for inviting me. Thank you all for listening. And, and uh, just uh, yeah, let's let let's meet in in Première Vision. We have big surprise over there coming up. Uh, so it's Sophie. I'm gonna say, it, but we have the full team kit of Nissan presented over there. So you have the possibility to see that. And uh, and the, the the surprise is the fact that we will have a Formula E Gen 3 presented over there. So, so come in all six. Uh, it's an amazing machine. Uh, it's rare to have the possibility to have that. Uh, and we are uh, super excited to, to have the, the opportunity to, to, uh, to bring that uh, crazy, innovative machine uh, over there. Fantastic. Well done. Uh, take care and, and see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Adrian. See you soon. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast till the end. If you want to support this initiative, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you follow. Just click on the subscribe button, rate it five stars, and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to share the podcast on your favorite social media. Thank you for listening to Smart Creation, the podcast 
an invitation to explore the potential of sustainable fashion.